Dominic Collins. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of Be Generous, a venture-backed fintech company providing nonprofits with a donate now, pay later technology solution that shows promise for increasing the amount donors give. Dominic will share insights about his work and his superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Dominic, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. It's great to connect. Thank you so much for having me on today. It's great to speak with you. Well, you know, it's always exciting to talk to people who have new ways of helping people do more good. And you are certainly helping to advance a new way to do more good uh, with Be Generous. Tell us about Be Generous. Yeah, we're certainly trying to. So um, are you familiar, uh, and I'm sure your audience is familiar with companies in the buy now, pay later space? Um, you've probably heard of Affirm, Klarna, Afterpay, Sezzle, PayPal is, is a big player in the space today. And effectively, what these companies allow you to do is exactly what the name sounds like. You can buy a product now and you can pay for it later, usually with some interest payments. Um, but these products are very, very, very popular in the United States today. About one out of every five online transactions in America are purchased using a buy now, pay later loan. About 20% of all e-commerce transactions are done using buy now, pay later, which is extraordinary to think considering this industry is only about 10 years old. And um, there's over $100 billion of buy now, pay later loans outstanding today. So it's an extraordinary story about the growth of these companies. And they really resonate with particularly younger donors, uh, younger consumers, excuse me. So uh, 67% of uh, individuals in the United States under the age of 40 don't have or don't use a credit card. That is a huge number, huge, huge number. Um, and so what you have is younger people are more suspect of, you know, interest payments and credit and banking and so forth. And so this whole industry strung, sprung up of buy now, pay later companies, allowing people to still consume what they want to consume without having all the onerous issues of credit card payments, late fees, transaction fees, high interest rates. And of course, we're in a high interest rate environment right now where it's going up, I should say. Um, and so that's going to be even more punitive over time. So the buy now, pay later, later space has been massively successful. And um, the players that have gone into this space, Affirm, Klarna, Afterpay, are all now multi-billion dollar companies with huge exits and IPOs and acquisitions. So, you know, my background has predominantly been in the nonprofit technology space or what I call Philtech, philanthropy technology. And I'm actually running currently my third Philtech uh, company today. Um, and so, you know, long story short, I looked at the buy now, pay later model and I thought to myself, why couldn't we apply that type of infrastructure to the largest underserved sector of finance in the world today, which is the US philanthropic market. Let's take the worst elements of buy now, pay later out, namely the late fees and the high interest payments. Let's remove those and let's create the first ever philanthropic credit product that instead of allowing somebody to buy now, pay later, allows somebody to donate now and pay later. Essentially using this financial technology infrastructure, as you said, to do something good in the world. So what we've done is over the last two years, we've been very quietly building this product. We just launched and we've been you know, very fortunate to be covered in all the big press publications and so forth. But we essentially built a product that allows an individual to make a charitable donation to a nonprofit. The nonprofit receives the charitable donation upfront in a lump sum. The donor gets their full gross tax deduction for the amount that they've donated, but they pay no money today. And instead, they get to choose over a certain time period, three months, six months, or nine months, how they want to pay that donation completely for free. There's no interest payments. There's no late fees. There's no hidden fees. And there's no transaction costs. And so what generally what you have is at the end of the transaction, the nonprofit sitting there with the donation that they've received. 
the donor's gotten their full tax deduction. Meanwhile, the donor, donor hasn't spent any money. So it really is a win-win. And as we get a little bit more into our conversation, could talk about why this meets donors where they're looking to be at and why this meets the needs of nonprofits today, um, which is a highly illiquid environment for a lot of nonprofits who are suffering from liquidity problems. Um, so that's basically what we've built. And it's totally proprietary. No one's ever done this before. Um, very complex and very expensive to build, but we built it. Yeah, that's very cool. So uh when does the nonprofit get the cash and how do you make a profit? So the nonprofit gets the money essentially now. I mean, right away, whatever phrasing you want to use. Um, the average is, you know, three days or less. So, I mean, just like a normal payment process. And when you make a donation, the nonprofit will receive the money, uh, you know, within one to three days. Ours is the same. Um, the way we make money is very simple. So we do not charge the donors anything. This is completely free for the donor. We also don't charge the nonprofits any fixed costs. So there's no subscription fees, there's no integration costs, there's no hidden costs, nothing like that. We only make money one way, and that is a success fee. So when I started this company, I said, I want to align our incentives as a company with the incentives of the nonprofit. Namely to say, as the nonprofit raises more money through our infrastructure, that's the only way we should make money. The reason is so that we're highly incentivized to build the best product we can build to help nonprofits raise money. So when a transaction is or donation is made to the nonprofit, the nonprofit actually receives the full amount of money. They actually get the full donation minus what we call a success fee. And that success fee basically gets debited back to the lender, our bank lender that fronts the money. And then we split that with our bank lender. And that's how we make money. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Simple model. Simple model. Uh, so how does the, uh, what happens? when somebody doesn't fulfill the obligation to pay you for, for whatever reason? Great question. So usually when you take, like if you're talking about like a normal consumer loan or buy now pay later loan, a couple things will happen. You'll get sort of hounded by collections <laughs> and you also usually incur late fees. Like think about if you ever missed a credit card payment, the bank will call you 500 times, you'll get hit with late charges. It's a miserable thing. We don't do anything like that. So first things first, we don't have a hard collections process. What will happen, the first thing is you're gonna get an email saying, hey, looks like you missed your payment. Here's the link to make that payment. If you can't make that payment, what we do is we put you into a hardship loan program. Very simple. It's a, it's a program where you can do all sorts of things like request to skip a payment, pay a partial payment, request to pay off the, the entire amount early for less, all these different things you can do. But at the end of the day, the reality is if you just can't pay, we're not in the business of trying to put people into traps where they can't pay. So what ultimately happens is that we write off the loan as a loss. It's just simply a loss. We write it off. It gets discharged is the technical term. Uh, the nonprofit retains all the money. So the good news is that the nonprofit has kept all the money. This has no effect on the nonprofit. And for the donor, that, that's what happens. I mean, we just tell them, hey, we've discharged this. We've written this off. And we've accepted it on our end as a loss, effectively. Excellent. Excellent. That's a, a, a really compelling model in terms of what you're pitching to the nonprofit and to the donor. Um, I think so. so. Yeah, I, yeah, it really does meet both sides where they need. I mean, nonprofits need liquidity and they don't want to deal with things like monthly cancellations and pledge defaults, which actually can run quite high. We obviously eliminate, completely eliminate those problems because we absorb losses. And so they get all the money up front and we absorb any loss. At the same time, you know, um, Fidelity Charitable put out a really interesting report at the end of last year called Overcoming Barriers to Charitable Giving where they basically surveyed American donors and they concluded that 66% of American donors say, I want to give more to my favorite nonprofit, but I'm currently unable to do so. The principal reason being because of liquidity or cash constraints. 
This product fundamentally solves that problem by allowing donors to give what they want to give, not what they're traditionally constrained to give, because they can take their payments and spread them out over time without incurring any cost. And so what we've seen, we've run um, a lot of survey studies with our prototype. And in our first 1,073 transactions, we ran a survey study and we asked people, 1,073 donors we asked, if this product was available today on your nonprofit's website, would you increase your donation, decrease your donation, or keep your donation the same? 82% of donors not only said they would increase their donation, but they would increase it by double or more, 82%, because they wow. can... They get to pay it off over time. And so it's a no-brainer for them. If you usually give 50 bucks to the Red Cross, the same donor says, well, now I can give $10 a month for 10 months. Cost me nothing to do this. I can afford $10 a month. And the Red Cross is going to get 100 bucks today. No-brainer for me. And I'm getting a $100 tax deduction, which at the low end doesn't mean much. But as you get into 10, 20, 30, $40,000 donations, that's a big incentive. Uh, so the data has been incredible. Yeah, that is fascinating. That is fascinating. Uh, so... Uh, let's put you, this project in a little bit of context. You said this is your third Philtech uh, company. What were the first two? Yeah, so the first company I um, I worked at was a company called Global Philanthropy Group, um, where I was running business development, and I was also a philanthropic analyst who had my own portfolio of clients. And what that company did, it was a private strategy consulting firm for philanthropists, essentially. So think of it like uh, McKinsey, if you will, but instead of doing Fortune 500 executive consulting, we were consulting for the top sort of 1% of philanthropists in the United States and worldwide to help them run, grow, manage, um, and ultimately scale their philanthropic endeavors and their nonprofits. So our clients ranged from celebrities to corporations to high net worth individuals. Um, so from very, very you know, famous folks like Madonna and Kobe Bryant uh, you know, to large companies like Facebook and Gucci to um, ultra high net worth families. And so I spent um, several years there uh, running a portfolio of clients, helping them manage, grow and, and um, ultimately scale their philanthropic work and also running business development for the firm. That firm was sold in 2017 um, to Charity Network. And then I started uh, my next company was a company called Giving. Um, which was a venture-backed technology company that I'm now the president of. I was formerly the CEO of. And I stepped out actually after six years of running that company as CEO to start Be Generous, the Donate Now, Pay Later company. Um, but the, the premise for giving was very simple. So are you familiar with Shopify? Or I'm sure your listeners are familiar with Shopify. Yeah, yeah so you know, Shopify is um, a, essentially a digital one-touch solution for instantly launching your e-commerce store. There are 2.2 million e-commerce stores in the United States today. What most people don't realize is there are 1.7 million nonprofits in the United States today. So a very similar size marketplace. And yet it's it's much, 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 much harder to start a nonprofit than it is to start an e-commerce store. The cost, the labor, and the time are extremely prohibitive. Um, and yet Shopify revolutionized how to start an e-commerce store, but there's still a problem in the nonprofit space. So what we did is we created essentially a digital one-touch solution for instantly launching your nonprofit in a box or a digital nonprofit online. And Forbes did this great article on us where they called us the Shopify for nonprofits. Um, so that I started that company in 2016. Uh, it's done really well. I ran it as CEO for six years. Um, as I said, I'm now the president of it. And I, um, I love the company. And I, you know, I begrudgingly effectively stepped out of it in order to start Be Generous because the opportunity was just too big to ignore with Donate Now, Pay Later. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm still involved, uh, obviously, heavily in giving. I'm on the board of directors. And that's uh, a great company. Yeah. Well, you've done some amazing things. It's impressive, truly, especially for such a young guy. Thank you. What do you see as your superpower? 
Well, that's a great question. I appreciate that. Um, I think, uh, well, it's interesting. I, I, I've been told this. Um, I didn't recognize it myself necessarily, but I think uh, it's, it's kind of a very specific trait, but um, the ability to take what is a somewhat complex subject and um, break it down into its core elements and be able to explain it in an intelligible way to a large group of people. Whether you're talking to a sales prospect, an investor, whether you do public speaking, doing press interviews, I, I've done quite a lot of press and public speaking. I've obviously, you know, I've raised quite a lot of venture capital funds um, and I've done a lot of sales. Um, and so, you know, you're taking these, what are, you know, traditionally complex ideas, which involve a lot of regulations, compliance, and in some cases, mathematics as well, when you're dealing with percentages and being able to really distill them into their core elements and speak about them in a passionate, intelligible intelligible, excuse me, way um, that conveys the, the core of what you're trying to do. So it's a very specific trait, but um, I discovered along the way that that's something I, I'm quite good at. Yeah, that, that is a powerful, powerful trait. Can you think of an example, a specific example that you could share uh, as a story perhaps that would illustrate uh, your ability to do this, to, to take the complex and explain it in, in an intelligible way? Yeah. So, so the, the, the back end of giving, the way giving my prior company works is through something called a fiscal sponsorship, which is a somewhat like an a, obscure um, philanthropic vehicle that exists within the 501c3 tax code that allows a nonprofit to essentially sponsor a project and, and sort of, let's say, piggyback off of their 501c3 infrastructure. It's not mainstream. If you're not in the nonprofit world, you wouldn't know about it. And when I went out to raise my first venture round at giving, I had to basically explain that to people who had never heard of this concept before and explain why it's valuable. And, 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 and that was not an easy task to do because even people who know about nonprofits aren't, many of them aren't even familiar with this sort of obscure um, vehicle. And so explaining this to a variety of investors, no matter how sophisticated they were in the technology space, none of them, I mean, none of them have any clue what this was. And so I had to distill it down to its core elements and explain it and explain why it made sense, why it wasn't going away, why it's worth building off of an infrastructure on top of that. And then we eventually built our own fiscal sponsor, which serves as the back end um, compliance mechanism, uh, you know, partnered with giving. So it's, um, you know, that was definitely a challenge. And eventually, you know, I got to a place where I was able to explain it in a really succinct way. And it sunk in and I saw people reacting and being like, oh, wow, I totally get it. That makes a ton of sense. I'm surprised I haven't heard about it, for example. Um, you know, and, and similarly to, to, you know, to donate now, pay later. I mean, we had to go out in order to build Be Generous. We had to go out and raise um I mean, tens of millions and ultimately hundreds of millions of dollars in lending capital to do this because ultimately we're a consumer lending platform effectively for nonprofits or donors, I should say. And trying to convince a bank to give you hundreds of millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars <laughs> to, to give to donors, to give to a nonprofit that's never been done before is not easy to do, as you can imagine. So explaining the business reasoning behind that was also a challenge and we were able to do it ultimately. But I think that's another example of that type of thinking. Yeah, yeah. So if you were coaching uh, a colleague, a uh, protege, to, to learn this skill, how would you coach them to do this? I would say, first and foremost, learn every single thing you can about your subject matter. I mean, read as many books as you need to read. 
as many articles, watch as many documentaries, talk to as many people in the field. You need to know everything. You can never, don't ever be stumped by a question. Um, so that's the first thing really became really, really become a subject matter expertise expert um, and have the domain expertise uh, would be the first thing beyond a superficial level. I would say next um, practice, you know, practice makes perfect. I think the more, you know, times you say something in a repetitive way, repetition is key. So say it in your sleep, say it in the shower, say it to your mom, say it to your dad, say it to your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever. Say it to your dog, but just repeat, 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 repeat um, is the second thing I would say. Third, I would say is embrace constructive criticism. Nobody likes to be told, hey, that wasn't very good or I was disappointed in that or, you know, I didn't understand it. Nobody likes that. But you actually have to embrace it because that stuff's really helpful in the long run. If five people tell you, hey, your pitch didn't make sense, don't be defensive. It means that it doesn't make sense and you need to <laughs> yeah. get better at it effectively, right? So I would say embrace the constructive criticism. And I, and I will say, and I know this is not necessarily a great answer, but number four, I would say is I do think um, there is a little bit of natural um, ability involved in this because, you know, I'm someone who's very comfortable with public speaking and a lot of people are not. And every single interaction you really have with one or more group of people is a form of public speaking. So if I'm talking to two people, I'm that's public speaking. I'm talking to two people, right? And for me, if I get on stage and talk to a thousand people versus I talk to one person, it makes no difference to me whatsoever. I'm completely comfortable in either scenario. And I recognize that is an unusual thing just by talking to lots of people and having them tell me like, that's very unusual. <laughs> and so I didn't know that growing up until I grew up and started doing public speaking. And everyone's like, are you practice this stuff? And I'm like, not really. I kind of just get up and talk. So I think there's some, some of that involved too. Yeah. Yeah, I think there that's that's certainly an element. You know, they say sometimes uh that uh, given that some people are more afraid of uh speaking to a crowd or an audience than they are of dying, that there are people who would literally rather be in the casket at a funeral than speak at you know, deliver the eulogy. So I get that. It's a key element. Um well, Dominic, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Uh, before we wrap up, would you take a minute and tell people how they can learn more about Be Generous and how they perhaps can connect with you on social media or otherwise? Absolutely. Um, well, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, if you'd like to know more about me or connect with me or talk with me, um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So it's just Dominic, D-O-M-I-N-I-C, Calms, K-A-L-M-S. And um, if you want to know more about Be Generous, it's the letter B, the word generous.com. So it's just B, the letter B, generous.com. Um, we have a we have a form there where you can request more information. Our email address is at the bottom. Um, and I, uh, I look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to hearing from you. Fantastic. Well, Dominic, thank you very much for being with us today. We wish you every success in helping people give more to charity. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. 
Then let's talk. Now keep using your superpowers for good. Together we can reverse climate change, improve global health and eradicate poverty.